2: A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas.
1: This podcast
0: episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go.
1: It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
0: Bet Saratoga from anywhere this summer with NYRA Bets, the official betting partner of Saratoga Racecourse. Naira Bets players enjoy world-class HD live streaming covering races worldwide, instant replays, exclusive bonuses, and earn points on every bet. New customers that sign up today receive a bonus match on their first deposit up to $200 with promo code SPA. Join today at nyrabets.com and make sure to use promo code SPA to earn your sign-up bonus up to $200.
1: That's a camera, isn't it?
0: There's never been a better time to switch to GEICO. Save an extra 15% when you switch by October 7th. Limitations apply. Visit GEICO.com for details.
1: This is the Cubs Related Podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined as always by Brendan, and we are coming to you on a wonderful Thursday evening after the Cubs go into New York. They go into Citi Field. They face Marcus Stroman, Noah Syndergaard, and Jacob deGrom in order, and they win All three, Brendan, a clean sweep for the Cubs after being swept by the Nationals. Quite the turnaround (laughs) with just that off day on Monday. I, I think the gauge of where all of the Cubs fandom is feeling has done a complete 180 in these four days since we last spoke. And I'm with them, man. This series had me hyped. This was exactly the type of response that this team needed. A sweep was probably more than we even would have asked for. But given that series against Washington and how the Cardinals have been playing in the NL Central, this was a response for this team and and certainly a, a response to anyone that was leaving them for dead after that Washington series. Certainly, Brendan, you and I were not. This is the kind of series that I think... We keep going back to and pointing at and saying this is why we keep saying that this team is capable of being better than this, why we don't believe that they should be playing 500 baseball for months at a time, because they are capable of doing things like this. So, Brendan, I I will throw it to you early here. That was a great series in New York. Well, it was good, too, because for me,
2: as I said last podcast, the loss to the Nationals, was the lowest point of the year for me. Rizzo going down, Baez in a slump, and the Cubs bats just faltering in moments when you just cannot afford any mistakes whatsoever. So the Cubs come back in this Mets series. They absolutely throttle Noah Syndergaard. Nine runs, Corey. Nine runs. Baez going opposite field with authority with that home run in the first game. We have Schwarber going insane to the opposite field over the last two weeks. And then you Darvish, Corey. You Darvish is the ace of this team right now. It is. It, it's, it's his pitching staff. It was fun to see, and I think it goes to show me, it goes to show you, us fans, that this Cubs team, they have the capability of going out there and in small series outperforming the other team. It's just, again, we have not seen that with any sense of consistency, but these series remind you of their potential, Corey.
1: Absolutely, and I think especially when you factor in, like you said, that Rizzo wasn't playing in these games, Wilson Contreras wasn't playing in these games, guys like Ben Zobrist, etc., who may come up in September, were not playing in these games. I think it's, e- again, easy to understand why we keep expecting more out of this group. The talent level of this group is too good to be close to 500 and letting this stinky Cardinals team right. try and win this division. They're better I mean, than that. I Corey,
2: they swept Strowman? Degrom and Cindergard. Yep, that is a hell of a sweep. That should not be like thrown under the rug just because they've been playing so poorly. They swept three of the premier starters in the National League and destroyed. And I think you can make the argument that they even destroyed Stroman. Their runs were not there like Cindergard, but those first two games were vintage Cubs. Wade out your bats, slug. Top to bottom and be relentless. That was a vintage Cubs Corey.
1: Yeah, and I think, again, like the Mets aren't the best team in the league, but I, I don't want anyone to forget that these were huge games for the New yeah, York Mets. Huge. So, the equally, maybe not equally important, the Mets are really only fighting for that wild card spot. So the Cubs have a couple of more ins to get into the playoffs. But but they're fighting against the Cubs for that wild card right, spot, right? Right, and at the Nationals. Home. The Nationals yeah. keep winning. The Braves are not going to relinquish that division. So these were huge games. I think this puts the Mets like five games out of the wild card, something yeah. along those lines. Whatever. So these were big games for the Mets. So I think that all goes to not only were you getting their best pitching, but this was a Mets team that that should have been dying for these wins, and the Cubs just were not going to let them happen. And like you said, they do really good work against Strowman. They ambush Noah Syndergaard. I mean. What a brilliant effort that was. Six runs in that first inning off of Noah Syndergaard. A a total ambush. Ten runs by the time the third inning rolls around. Syndergaard only lasts three innings, nine hits, ten runs. Nine of them earned a walk and five strikeouts. Just an amazing effort from that Cubs offense. And then a, a complete team win and how you beat Jacob deGrom. You you stay in the game. You get a start from John Lester that keeps you in the game. He goes punch for punch with deGrom, allowing just one run over six innings, five hits, three walks, four strikeouts. DeGrom going seven innings, four earned, no walks, seven strikeouts on five hits. And... Victor Caratini comes up huge for this team, and they do (laughs) exactly what you need to do to win a game against a pitcher the caliber of Jacob DeGrom. Stick around, stick around, put up good at-bats, and capitalize on on a big chance that you got there late in that game. And this was just a a great series, man. There's really no two ways about it. For as bad as that national series felt, this is almost the direct opposite feeling. This was a great series and good to see this team put two. They've now won two series on the roads. I think we can all pop some confetti, maybe have a little champagne for that. Feels good. We We can win on the road again. That's not really a thing anymore. So, this was a, a, a really big series for this team, especially the the Cardinals winning two of the three games with the Brewers. They are both off on Thursday. So the division is down to one and a half. So obviously you needed to win these games. The Cardinals only lose one of those games in Milwaukee. So you needed to keep pace. And, and that was kind yeah. of the trouble that they set up for themselves by losing that national series. And then they show up in New York and, and they take care of business in a big way. So we are going to break down a lot of that I think you Darvish in particular is going to be a topic of conversation we will talk like you said Brendan about Kyle Schwarber Javi Baez having a, a really nice series and especially that first game as he's been in a little bit of a slump here uh, also hit the ball with authority a few times against Jacob deGrom so we will talk about those guys again we mentioned Victor Caratini having a big game here on Thursday. We'll talk about the bullpen as it stands, as, as we kind of continue to go through those roles, shuffling a little bit, and anything else that happens to come up in this conversation. But I think those are going to be the main topics. Just a, a quick run-through of these games, just to get this out of the way. The Cubs winning 5-2 to two on Tuesday behind the aforementioned arm of Hugh Darvish. He goes eight innings, five hits, one earned, one walk, and seven Strikeouts. You. This was a brilliant outing for you, Darvish, and you just said it, Brendan. There was no booing. I don't know why they would be allooing because he—they're not playing anymore. No one in that family. Uh, they were definitely youing you. very loudly. I don't know if it was happening at City Field, but uh, certainly the Cubs fans in attendance were doing it, and we were all doing it at home big game for you Darvish Uh, the Cubs getting their runs in this one they took the lead in the fifth on an Addison Russell two-run home run they add to that lead on a Javi Baez two-run home run that made it four to one that is Javi's 29th on the season Javi would add an RBI double in the eighth and the Mets would add a run that nobody cares about in the bottom of the ninth so that would be all that she wrote five to two the final on Tuesday, Kyle Hendricks, not, or excuse me, Wednesday, Tuesday was the first game. On Wednesday, Kyle Hendricks, not great in this one after the Cubs ambush. like we said, Noah Syndergaard, Hendricks only goes four and two thirds, six earned, one walk, three strikeouts and eight hits. Probably as visibly upset as he's going to get, which means he just walked off the mound and looked angry, I guess, maybe, if you were reading into it. Uh, but he didn't More seem pleased. Sad, I feel like. Yeah, you, you know that Kyle's not pleased to force Joe to come and get him when the team all, no. was up 10 to 1. So Kyle's certainly not pleased, but he has been very good for this team. So he is allowed, just like anybody else, a clunker from time to time. Like we said, the Cubs take a 10 to 1 lead by the time the third inning rolls around. It started in the first, Javi reaching on a fielder's choice, Ahmed Rosario throwing the ball away, Kyle Schwarber with an RBI double, Addison Russell with a two RBI single, and Ian Happ caps the first inning with a opposite field home run, his fifth of the season. The Cubs would lead 6-1 to after the bottom of the first. In the top of the second, Kyle Schwarber with his 31st home run of the year, made it 8-1. to Nick Castellanos, big Nick energy with his 20th home run of the season. That made it 10 to 1, again, in the bottom of the third. The Mets would mount a bit of a comeback, pushed mainly by the bottom of the fifth inning, in which they get the score to 10 to 6. It would get to 10 to 7 in the bottom of the eighth. I got to be honest with you, this was terrifying, this game. This felt like just uh, uh, this really felt like oh yeah you thought that Bryce Harper walk-off grand slam was bad let me show you you, yeah (laughs) let me show you this uh so yeah blowing a 10 to 1 lead would not have been great but that didn't happen the bullpen that follows Kyle Hendricks was for the most part very good David Phelps goes a third of an inning Kyle Ryan with a really strong inning he came in and got a huge double play in this game he picks up his fourth win of the season as a result Steve goes two-thirds of an inning, allowing a hit and a walk. Rowan Wick, one and a third, a hit, an unearned run, no walks, and a strikeout. And Craig Kimbrell picks up his 12th save of the year. Again, 10-7 final. Thursday, the Cubs winning 4-1. It was the Victor Caratini game. J.D. Davis gave the Mets a one to nothing lead in the bottom of the first with a homer off of John Lester, but that would be it for the Mets offense. And Victor Caratini would take Jacob deGrom deep, not once, Brendan, but twice. He takes Jacob deGrom deep, his eighth and ninth homers of the year, respectively, and that would be all that she wrote for this series and that game, relieving John Lester. Again, John went six strong innings, picking up his 11th win of the year. A two strikeout, one inning of work for Tyler Chatwood. Really nice inning from him. A clean, absolutely, just an inning of pitching for Brandon Kinsler, his 17th hold of the year. And a clean with one strikeout save his 13th of the year for Craig Kimbrell, and that was all that we had for this series. So like we said, this was a huge effort from this team and a really big bounce back after that series with the Nationals, and Brendan, before we jump into you, Darvish, I I, I don't know how much time we're going to end up talking about it. We have given Victor Caratini, I think, a lot of credit for two people who were not thrilled that the Cubs did not go out and shore up that backup catcher situation in the offseason. I think that you and I have eaten the appropriate amount of Crow. I think pretty much every time he has a big game, we say that we were probably wrong about how good he's been and the role that he has played on this team, especially with Wilson Contreras out. Uh, But I do want to read this stat from Stats by Stats. I believe that's Stats, Inc. And they say, Victor Caratini gives the Cubs the lead with his second homer of the game, both, off Jacob DeGrom. He is the first Cubs player to have a multi-homer game off the reigning Cy Young winner since Ernie Banks in 1968 off of Mike McCormick, if you knew that one at home, give yourself a pat on the back because I can assure you that Brendan and I would not have been able to guess that. Maybe we would have pretended that we could have gotten that, but no chance I was ever going to get that. i honestly, I probably would have just said sosa by default and just seen how that stuck but regardless, that 's a cool stat for Victor Caratini, and that was a huge effort for him on Thursday again with Wilson Contreras out he was playing first base on Thursday doing everything the Cubs are asking of him getting in there behind the plate when he needs to and this was huge you take whoever can do the damage against someone like Jacob deGrom and it was Caratini twice so a really huge effort for him but Brendan I want to get you back in here and I want you to gush just let it out just talk to me about you Darvish.
0: There's great news during the pandemic the new Hypermax oxygen system. System is here. Doctor-approved, clinically tested, at-home oxygen for improved health, fitness, and especially your immunity. Go to HyperMaxOxygen.com. See how 300% more oxygen purity works wonders in only 15 short minutes. You're home anyway, so why not build your immunity and much more? HyperMaxOxygen.com. That's HyperMaxOxygen.com.
1: Little did I know. When I joined Kaiser Permanente, that it would be on my top 10 list for what has made this year great. I can see my physician, I can be referred to the lab, I can then be referred to the pharmacy, all in the same building. You, you've got it all. I mean, it's it's quality of care, it's compassion of care, it's convenience of care. It's true.
0: Every medical case is unique. Kaiser Combination Health Plan in the Mid-Atlantic States, 2101 East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852.
2: I mean, what else can we say about this guy? You cannot predict what Udarvish Darvish is going to throw. This is the first game since the middle of July that he whipped out the sinker with this much frequency. So back in July, what is this? July 17th, he threw a sinker two out of every 10 pitches. Did not throw that whatsoever the next five starts. The most he threw a sinker was two weeks ago at a 7% frequency, so much lower. He threw a sinker Corey in this last game at almost a 15% rate. So you're going into this game as a Mets hitter. You're thinking, okay, splitter, 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 because he's been throwing a splitter once every four pitches. What does you he do? He's like, no, screw that. I'm gonna go back to the sinker. I'm gonna whip up the velocity here, same spin action, and you're gonna get screwed. And that's exactly what happened. And not only that, Corey, this is absolutely mind boggling. He incorporated Craig Kimbrell's knuckle curve into his repertoire. Joe Madden said he used it for the first time against the Giants on, on August 21st, had success with it, brought it back to this Mets series, had two strikeouts on that pitch. Okay, so we're talking about a guy who just started throwing a different curveball one week ago, brings it out into the most arguably the most important game of the year, and strikes out several Mets batters, okay? That is absolutely insane. And when you incorporate that type of knuckle curve into his repertoire, now you, Darvish, has like legitimately 10 to 11 pitches. And you can mix and match and keep these teams off balance. There's no telling what you Darvish is going to throw on a weekly basis. All these other aces, you know what they have. They either have four to five pitches. One of those four to five pitches is going to be one of those excellent secondary pitches. You Darvish has 11 pitches. He has multiple sliders, three curveballs, a splitter, a four-seamer, a sinker, a changeup, Corey, this guy is insane, and he is the ace of the Cubs staff right now. He's commanding his fastball. He walked his first batter uh, in what 130 batters faced, whatever that 142. number was. Forty-two. Hundred and Corey. A hundred and forty-two batters yeah. faced since Yu Darvish walked someone. Okay, this guy is on one right now. His attitude is next level. The confidence is off the charts. He's going on Twitter. He's not bashing people, but, but defending himself. I love it. Absolutely love it. If the Cubs get to the playoffs, sure, why not? Game one, you, Darvish, giving them ball.
1: I absolutely love what this guy is doing right now. It's tough to argue with, man, and uh, just going back to something you were talking about, I'm reading this tweet from Jordan Bastian, and he says that you, Darvish, currently throws a four-seam fastball, a two-seam fastball, a cutter, a harder cutter, a curveball, a slower curveball, now Craig Kimbrell's knuckle curveball, a slider, a splitter, and a changeup. And he ends this tweet by saying that he also has a 26—26— Strikeout to walk rate since the start of July. Brendan. Yeah. Call me crazy. I don't even know. Well, call me crazy, but that K to walk ratio, that'll play. I got to be honest. I mean, 20,
2: I think 26 (laughs) to 1. Yeah. Yeah, I'll take that too. And just to add on Jordan's tweet right there, if you like look at the movement of his slider and you take out those cutters, he may have two sliders as well. So you can add another pitch to that repertory that Jordan was saying. It's, it's, again, Corey, it is insane to think that this guy throws almost every pitch in professional baseball. It's insane.
1: Yeah, and really something to to hear that story about Kimbrell telling that to him. I know Kimbrel was kind of uh, marveling at the fact that Darvish <laughs> was able to learn that and incorporate it so quickly and just start in striking guys out with it. I, I mean, that's really I quite something. So Yeah, just an incredible effort for him. I I know he threw, I think it was about 104 pitches by the time that eighth inning ended, but part of me, I was just like, man, just let him go and finish this game. Just shove it. Just finish it, you. Yeah, Yeah. but I I understand Joe not necessarily wanting to do that, but it was a, a really incredible effort from you, Darvish, and like you said, he is a weapon for this team right now. This was always the guy that was in there. This was the guy that they signed, and even this stuff with incorporating these different pitches, he's always been able to generate incredible spin and action on these pitches. And to see it all coming together is really something. I I mean, it is, we are recording this podcast on August 29th. So he pitched on August 27th. And the last time he walked somebody was in that Giants series on July 23rd. (laughs) He goes over a month without walking somebody. And certainly the home run ball has been pretty much the only thing that he needs to correct at this point. Everything else, he's just been lights out. But just an incredible run for this guy. And you're right. I, I mean, I think right now, you know, Kyle Hendricks has certainly been really good for this team for a long time. But it is tough to argue that Yu Darvish presents the most daunting task for an opposing offense right now in that Cubs rotation. Because when he is on pumping in the upper 90s with that fastball and mixing in those other pitches, he is extraordinarily difficult to... Figure out for these offenses, and again, the, yeah. this Mets team has some guys, especially for someone that's been getting bit by the home run ball. You look at guys like McNeil, Alonzo, Conforto, J.D. Davis, etc. You know, these are guys that can pop one if you make a mistake. So for him to be able to navigate through this lineup and continue looking like this is enormous for this team, and it's difficult to. Undersell that again. I, I think that with Darvish, he was one of those guys that the, the first year of that contract was so bad and injury riddled, and and you know just an overall mess that I think a lot of fans forgot the potential that he had, and, and that the Cubs did have a top of the rotation guy lurking in that rotation and I you know look I mean full disclosure like I said probably a couple months ago that I wasn't counting on it you knew that the potential was in there but I certainly wasn't counting on it but gotta give uh, I think especially you Brennan a lot of credit you've been basically adamant that this was going to happen and that Mm -hmm. he was going to be this guy and it's exciting man it's it's quite a world to live in where you know if the playoffs started tomorrow I mean you'd be heavily considering giving you Darwin's the ball in game one and I don't think that you would be crazy to do it I think it's it's probably the right decision unless you wanted to defer to Kyle Hendricks right now so it's a huge turnaround and again similar to other guys like you know that he has been busting it to be productive for this team we always go back to the start of this second half in 2019 where he asked Joe for the ball saying I have not done enough for this team I have not been producing enough I want the ball I want to start the second half I want to get this thing going on the right path and he did just that And you just know that he's got to be flying high right now with how well he is pitching and how much he is driving this pitching staff right now.
2: To go back to that curveball, too. This, again, is just blowing my mind. Craig Kimbrell's curveball has more spin than 56% of pitchers. Pretty good. That's because he throws it with pretty heavy velocity. Darvish, that knuckle curve has 75% more spin than your average curveball in professional baseball. So I'm not saying hey, you know, you know, Darvish's curveball is better than Kimbrel's curveball, but that that is the number and the spin difference between Darvish's normal curveball and this new knuckle curveball is about yeah, it's about 10% more, which could be a significant thing for let's say his cutter. And you know, look at that uh, start against the Mets Corey. Guess what? He threw more cutters with that curveball. So you know, They're trying to incorporate new stuff into his mix. He's doing that successfully. But most of all, here's the thing. He went into a hostile New York environment when their season was also on the line and he delivered his best start as a Chicago Cub. Eight innings, over 100 pitches for the first time this season. That is mental toughness, Corey. Asking for the ball to lead the second half and doing so successfully is mental toughness. So the, the notion that this guy is mentally incompetent or weak, throw it out the window. What yeah. he's been doing the second half is really, really instrumental to keeping the Cubs in this division race. Without you, Darvish, we're not in this division race. Without you, Darvish's mental toughness, his success, his stuff, his, his intellect, the Cubs are not where they are right now. Credit should be given to you, Darvish, for keeping this Cubs team up in that division race because without them, who knows where they would be right now.
1: Well, yeah, you and I have long been on the miss me with the mentally weak thing. I mean, uh, this guy's on. working incredibly hard. He's speaking multiple languages. He's pitching through and after surgeries and injuries. So yeah, we're we're not here for that kind of narrative from the armchair psychologists up in the <laughs> press box. But we will spare you that rant, I think. And take it uh to the offense I, I don't know that there's any more to say on, on you darvish he's just been really good yeah. and it's exciting to watch him pitch like this I, I i do wonder i know we got a couple quotes but i i do wonder like the immediate like actual reaction from someone like Kimbrell where you're just like dude i taught this guy this a week ago and he's throwing it better than me like you know like if you're just like sick like, what yeah but. Yeah, I mean even
2: even Madden said too the way that Darvish manipulates his arm action, his, you know, hand placement on the baseball with these new pitches is next to none. Like no one in Madden's experience can do what you Darvish is doing, which speaks volume
1: to the type of stuff this guy has. Right, and as we said on the last episode, he now officially a friend of the Cubs-related podcast, as he does follow Brendan on Twitter. So
2: very close friends, you and I.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, look, like for whatever reason, Brendan and I have ended up like having direct message conversations with some of these guys, which is pretty cool. (laughs) I don't know why they want to talk to either of us, but uh, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, So anyway, I I guess let's talk about the offense because there was some good stuff in this series. Again, no. Wilson Contreras, no Anthony Rizzo. Rizzo said, "I think he was unlikely to be ready by Friday. So hopefully through this weekend." It, it, you know, the thing with Anthony and his back, I'm sure we've talked about this several times in the years that we've been doing this podcast. Because unfortunately, it's just kind of a lingering thing with Tony. Uh, but you know, you obviously want him to be completely healed, no lingering problems, and and get ready to get back to what he was doing on the field and, and getting that power stroke back. Of course. Of course after he gets on that run and gets himself back in a position to hit 33 home runs now he's out for a week with this back injury so it's going to be pretty tight again uh but if he can have another one of those like four homer weekends we can get right back in there but of course something has to get in the way of that just being kind of easy for him to get to that number but anyway i'd much rather he be healthy and productive than hit 33 home runs it is what it is i will live to see another day if he doesn't set his career high but but, and also, Brendan, I, why the Cubs are so reluctant to use the 10-day injured list, I will never yeah, understand. I, gonna I mean, he's, he's going to miss no about sense. eight days. So I, I don't know why you wouldn't just make it retroactive and get somebody else up here. But what do we I, know? yeah, I'll defer to them on that one. I guess it's not really worth digging into. But I, I think two guys that we really want to talk about are Javi Baez and Kyle Schwarber. I think Baez in particular, because I think he just looked a lot better in this series. Still reaching, still kind of going after some of those outside pitches and and bouncing them back up the middle, back to the pitcher. Uh, But especially in that first game, he goes three for three. He scores a run. He drives in three. He hits that two-run home run in that game. So obviously that was the big game where you're like, okay, really nice to just see him have a big game and and come back and and start this road trip on the right front. And I, I went back, and I, and I really hope that I articulated that well on the last episode. And I, and I said this when we were recording it, like, when we were talking about him being in a slump, right, he, he came into the series with an 862 OPS, which is still very good for someone who plays the level of defense and runs the bases as well as Javi does. But the, the whole point of that discussion was basically that the way this team has performed and the way that they're built you feel it when one of those big guys, be it Baez, Bryant, Rizzo, etc., you feel it when they're in a slump. Not that it's a knock on Baez, because he's still having a very good season, but when they're not playing at that top-tier level like Baez was in 2018, this offense feels it. You just kind of feel those slumps uh, weighing down the lineup, whether it's fair to those guys or not. So it was just really good to see Javi start this series on such a strong note. Obviously, you know, some huge hits in that first game he goes one for four in the game on Thursday against agram so overall he goes zero for five in the second game but overall a nice series from Javi he's still probably coming out of that slump a little bit but it was I think really important for him to have the game that he did on Tuesday
2: yeah and I, there were there were some injury concerns with Javi during that slump and I think you and I kind of were on the opposite side of that thought process, thinking, okay, he is healthy. Just because the underlying peripheral still looked pretty Javi-ish, the only difference was that he was making more contact outside the strike zone, like we talked about. So that signaled to me the Javi was healthy, but just overreaching and trying to compensate for the scouting report, which is throw outside the zone, Hobby's going to chase and now what is Hobby doing? Well, I'm going to go and try to make contact against those pitches. He just was not doing that in a quality batted ball context. This series though, he still was reaching, but those pitches that were in the zone or just off the zone he was mashing, and even in that last game against DeGrom, I think it was his first at-bat. It was. hit a, Yeah, you know what I'm
1: talking yeah, about. Yeah, it was hit a great a scor- play by Ligaris, So
2: Great play. Yeah. Scorching line drive. That must have been, I think, 107 miles per hour off the bat, whatever it was. One of those typical line drives to center field that Javi typically does. So I think the, the numbers were good for Javi this series, but even the outs he made were loud outs. And with Javi looking healthy and having the power to the opposite field that he displayed... There's no reason to believe another hot streak is imminent. I think this type of player, you know, if you make a mistake, he's going to make you pay for it. So if Javi keeps doing what he's doing, the numbers are going to go up eventually, just how it works for Javi. A lot of the numbers are similar this year to last year in terms of play discipline, in terms of power. And I think with Javi, too, you can't put it past this guy to keep improving, even like right now in September, And again, just to see him come off a series against the Nationals, that was just not good, just not what we were used to seeing Javi do, to come back out against the Mets in New York against three good pitchers, put up quality at-bats. It's a good sign, and it gives me more confidence, I think, like, okay, even if Rizzo's going to miss the next few games,
1: having Javi's bat back out there is a
2: huge boost to this team, Corey.
1: Yeah, and you know that he's someone that's liable to go on like a Soriano-esque yeah, heater that just no gets doubt. those numbers back up to where you maybe want them to be or expect them to be, however you want to phrase that. And so. they're
2: still good. I mean, he still has a three forty nine Woba, still has a, a WRC plus of, after tonight's game, one thirteen. So not like what he was last year with a one thirty WRC plus, but the power numbers are all still there. He's still batting 282. It's just a matter of like having three to four games strung together, and those numbers look identical from last year.
1: Yeah, so before we jump into Kyle Schwarber, who had a huge game in that uh, Wednesday game against Noah Syndergaard, I just want to throw out this note from Christopher Comko, we mention him all the time, uh, on Nicholas Castellanos. He hit his ninth home run in game number 79 with the Tigers in 2019. Number nine for the Cubs came in game 25. So I think all of us putting our bets that he would hit more home runs, obviously Wrigley Field playing a large part at this, even though number nine was in Citi Field, uh, looking pretty good, Uh, you know, kind of hoping (laughs) that Castellanos would come over, get that boost being in a playoff race and playing in a a ballpark that's more apt to reward his swing. That has certainly been the case and obviously uh, a lot of fun to watch. Mm -hmm. So I just want to talk Schwarber a little bit. Uh, He goes two for four. He drives in three. Again, a a big home run in that game on Wednesday. A big double in that game to kind of... That that was kind of the first big hit. Javi scores the first run uh, on the fielder's choice in that first inning. But Schwarber with the double that made it two to nothing was kind of the first big hit off of Noah Syndergaard that kind of got that whole thing rolling there for that six-run first inning. Again, he follows in the second inning with his 31st home run of the year. So just, uh, again, good to see him doing that, and I think when you have him in the middle of that order, especially with Rizzo out, Contreras out, and, you know, like we were talking about, Baez trying to work himself out of a little bit of a slump there— that's what you want to see from Schwarber, man, like just slugging and helping this team crack the scoreboard with some big hits. And it was uh, very nice to see him do that. He's got his OPS over 800 now on the season 814, to be exact. So, you know, look, if he's, if you're an Batting average person, you're just not going to like Kyle Schwarber. I don't know why you would be a batting average person, but there there's probably no sense in debating that, right? Because it's just we're not going to agree on that. Uh, (laughs) But when you see him going oppo like this, you see him with that 30 plus homer potential. Again, like, if you are relying on him to be your cleanup hitter, you know, maybe not the best spot, but when you have someone as dangerous as Schwarber lurking in the middle-to-back portion of that order, it can be lethal, and it was against Noah Syndergaard. In that game on Wednesday, he gets through Castellanos, Bryant, Baez, and then there's Kyle Schwarber waiting for you, so it doesn't get any easier, and if you make a mistake after getting through all those guys. You've still got the Hulk, Kyle Schwarber, to deal with, and I know that uh, our editor in chief of CubsInsider.com, Evan Altman, was ha- hammering (pun intended) home the Hulk. <laughs> smashing Thor situation that you had there, I, I imagine that that was the most fun that Evan has had writing headlines and stuff for Cubs Insider in a long time. Uh, but just, you know, again, good to see those guys in particular in Baez and Schwarber play such a huge role in this series. Big hits, timely hits, and showing what they can do, you know, and I think why sometimes this Cubs lineup feels deeper than it does at other times. Because when you have all these guys rolling at once, it's it, it can be a really difficult task for a pitcher to get through. And like you said, Brendan, this effort, specifically on Wednesday, was relentless. That was that that keyword, that buzzword, that word of the day that we have heard for a while now that was missing from the Cubs offense. You really felt that on Wednesday.
2: Yeah. With Schwarber, you mentioned the batting average, right? Like one issue that Schwarber has, and a lot of lefties have it too, is that shift. So Schwarber's not going to be your fast guy, and he pulls the ball pretty often, and he hits the ball really hard. That's a recipe for a low BABIP, and you saw that this year. Right now, his BABIP, as it stands, is 240. Okay, last year it was 288. That's extremely low, and you have to assume that that is because of this defensive shift. So, what is Schwarber doing now? that he's having success over the last month. Well, he's not pulling the ball as much as he used to. He's pulling the ball at a 39% clip up until a few weeks ago. Courtesy of Brad on Twitter at Balls K-W-O-K, he pointed out that Schwarber over the last successful stretch is going to the opposite field way more often. So his pull rate is now recently has been 29%. Again, that compared to to 39% on the overall year. And then going and looking at the expected weighted on base average numbers, typically Schwarber again gets screwed because of those shifts. But now in the successful stretch, he's outperforming that to be what is expected for the first time I can ever remember, to be honest with you. So Schwarber's getting those base hits now because he's going to the opposite field with authority. Corey, where has his last two home runs been? To the opposite field. And even on that one double down the right field line against Syndergaard, you know, he reaches out, takes advantage of that. I think it was a changeup, whatever it was, and drives it. But at least, you know, his approach is going oppo, 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 or dead center to oppo. And that's paying dividends. So I think, yeah, like batting average is not the end-all, be-all stat, But with Schwarber, you want him to get on base more by hitting the ball and not getting screwed by these defensive shifts, which I hate. And I think him going to the opposite field over the last few weeks has been an enormous sign for Schwarber and fans. I think going into September, if he keeps doing this, like he could be one of the better hitters in the league. Corey, he has a hard hit ball percentage better than 97% of Major League Baseball. 3% of hitters hit the ball harder than Kyle Schwarber. There is no reason why this guy has a 28 batting average. He should be way higher than that, right? So getting that hard hit ball to the opposite field, that is going to be a huge thing for him. And you're going to see the numbers go right up, I guarantee it.
1: Yeah, and kind of taking a page out of Javi's book. Javi, who has been wearing the opposite field out, especially on those home runs throughout the 2019 season. So good to see some of these guys changing their approach and you know like you mentioned like yeah I'm sure Schwarber is sick and tired of getting so many hard hit balls taken away by that shift and very cool and and good to see him making that adjustment especially mid-season like this obviously that's that's never easy so good to see the results showing up for him as he's trying to you know deliberately make that adjustment and worth pointing out since I mentioned Rizzo's 31 is Kyle Schwarber's new career high in home runs, so congratulations to Kyle for setting that record, and now every home run he hits from here on out will be a new career best, so that's always fun for uh, someone as young and, and you know, a draft pick of this team to be setting their own records here as we head into the stretch run, but Brendan, I, I think the other topic, just to touch on, they, they do get heavy usage in this series, uh, might be the both pen and uh, you know again we we see uh, a lot in the Darvish goes eight innings we only get Brandon Kinsler in that game Uh, but after that we we see a a good handful of these relievers and I I think it's maybe just a good spot before the Cubs head home here to play the Brewers at Wrigley Field this weekend just to do another like heat check where are we with some of these guys what is maybe our hierarchy in the bullpen right now I, I think before I throw it to you one thing that really sticks out, I think Craig Kimbrell looks great. And his command at times looks a bit lost, right? He runs, you know, some pretty, a lot of full counts, a lot of 3-1 counts, etc. But the velo on the fastball has been great, 97 and up in pretty much all of these games recently. The breaking stuff is nasty, and he's getting results. And, you know, again, even though some of these counts are running deep, he's been able to, in the vast majority of these at-bats, dig down, and throw strikes when he has to throw strikes. So I, I think he, just from the eye test, looks really good in these last few outings. Certainly, I think like the pitcher, you would have expected. And again, like we have noted in some of these other series, you see Rowan Wick and Kyle Ryan in big situations. Again, as the Mets were kind of threatening that epic comeback on Wednesday, Kyle Ryan gets in there, gets a huge double play, a clean inning of work, gives up a hit, but no walks no runs and, you know, his season ERA at 3.1, which is really good for someone who, you know, kind of came out of nowhere to a degree for this team. And Rowan Wick, one and a third. He gives up an unearned run, just one hit, strikes out one. And again, you know, these guys are coming in against good hitters and guys who have put up big numbers for this Mets lineup, and they are getting the job done. They are getting experience in these high leverage innings, and I think it's going to be invaluable for them as we go forward. Brandon Kinsler continues to look good. He gives up a home run in that game on Tuesday, but he comes back with a clean inning on Thursday. Actually, even goes a batter long as Chris Bryant threw one away that would have gotten him out of the inning, but Kinsler bounced back and gets out of it anyway. So I think right now, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Brendan, but I think that top group of Kimbrel, Kinsler. Wick, and Ryan is really what is driving this bullpen right now. We we don't see Pedro Strop at all in this series. Steve Ciszek didn't look great in that game on Wednesday. So, you know, I think while he has been such a reliable piece for this Cubs team and just thrown an astounding amount of innings for them since he has signed last year, I'm not I I think those other guys may, you know, are ahead of him in terms of trustworthiness and, and who you're looking to in those huge spots. I think that core four there of Kimbrel Kinsler, Ryan, and Wick are who you're looking to in those high-leverage spots. Are are you adding anybody else to that group? Are you taking anybody out, or are you looking at kind of that same hierarchy here? Right now, I am. I think you
2: hope that Sejak, over time in September, gets his feel back for his fastball. Yeah, coming Coming off an injury, too, right? Yeah, I mean, since coming back from that injury, his velocity's been down. I mean, in July, he was throwing 91 0.1 0.1 miles per hour on average. In August, he's down almost to 90.2. It's so almost one mile per hour slower. And from his peak this year in April, about a mile and a half miles per hour slower than that. So you expect and you hope and you kind of pray that he gets back to that level. I, like, I'm like i not going to count on it. I, I hope he gets healthy, but... Right now, yeah, those four names, man, Wick, Ryan, Kinsler, and Kimbrell, that's that's kind of the four guys I'm looking at. Now, Theo Epstein did say on 670 the score before that last game against the Mets that he's looking at promoting Brad Wick, whom the Cubs acquired for Carl Edwards Jr. This guy, Corey Bradwick, is huge. He is 6 foot 9 inches, over 250 pounds, the most crazy stat for him that he has a, a K per nine of 18 batters, Corey. He is striking out with the A squads of both the Padres and Cubs, two guys per nine innings. He's a huge left-handed pitcher, a pretty fast fastball, an unorthodox release point being six foot nine inches, like I said. I'm interested to see what he has there. Now, uh, outside of those four, it's not a guarantee who else can get back in there, but I think Strope. This new Brad Wick, C-jack, and a fifth starter come to playoff times again. If the Cubs get there, and if you're looking at this bullpen in that context, should be pretty safe. I think. I think you have four guys who you can rely on right now, and Kyle Ryan continues to be that guy. He had a clutch double play after allowing the leadoff hitter to come on, and he's looking pretty good. I think still over the last few months, the command has been a little shaky. Granted, in the last two outings, but the overall production from uh, Kyle Ryan has been phenomenal. Rowan Wick is a guy, Corey. Multiple innings, yeah. dirty innings, clean innings. He has that 95, 98-mile-per-hour fastball. A disgusting spike curveball. And then Craig Campbell kind of compliments what he brings with throwing 97, 98, 99, with that same type of diving curveball action. And then Kinsler, your double play, uh, ground ball, fireman if you need him. The bullpen, I I think, is getting in shape where after these injury scares that we've seen from Kimbrell and Kinsler, those two guys in particular coming back is giving me a little bit more confidence. But I'm not going to lie. I would like to see one more guy, maybe Sejak, maybe Stroop returning, maybe Bradwick just to give the Cubs enough options during this pennant race but if that doesn't happen and these four guys are still good I think that should still be enough
0: our homes today are like little cities full of different interneting boroughs like the entertainment district in the living room or the virtual fitness center in the garage and Xfinity internet keeps it all running smoothly with reliable speed to power all your devices at once you get coverage around town from the financial district home office to the
2: spa Xfinity internet keeps your little city humming with reliable speed and coverage now that's simple easy awesome find great offers and value today from Xfinity go online or call 1-800-XFINITY to learn more restrictions apply
0: did you know Geico's now offering an extra 15 percent credit on car and motorcycle policies that's 15 percent on top of what Geico could already save you so what are you waiting for your dentist to actually believe you
1: and you're flossing every day absolutely great Um, and you're cutting down on your sweets
0: of course (laughs) wonderful then I don't even need to look in there. Great. See you in six months. There's never been a better time to switch to GEICO. Save an extra 15% when you switch by October 7th. Limitations apply. Visit GEICO.com for details.
1: Yeah, and I mean, maybe if you can lean on those guys in particular a little bit more, maybe giving C-Sheck a little bit of a break, kind of lightening that load, especially coming back from that injury, you know, maybe he can be a little fresher as we head down the stretch here, but but good to see some of these other guys step up because I think certainly prior to the season or even at certain points of this season, if I told you that Strope was not going to be reliable as Velo was going to be down like it is. Ciszek was going to be coming back from an injury and not looking like his old self, Velo, not in the right place either. I think you would have thought this bullpen might be in an even worse spot than yeah. we had even imagined. So I think some of these guys stepping up really like, you know, again, we, we mentioned Wick and Ryan a lot because those are kind of the newer, younger guys stepping up. But Kinsler being this good is enormous a shocker too, for this team. Yeah, and he was not good <laughs> yeah. for the Cubs last year. Oh, you no. and I not fans, uh, but he has been so good for this team and just continues to be really reliable out there. And again, a, a nice bounce back effort for him on Thursday after giving up the home run on Tuesday. So yeah, uh, all, all things considered, uh, this was a good effort, I think, from all, a lot of these guys in the bullpen, a really nice outing from Tyler Chatwood, and just sort of a, a random note, but I, just because you were talking about uh, the, the size of some of these guys, but there, there's a really good picture from another friend of the podcast, MBD Chicago, who if you're not following, you really should, great Cubs pictures, uh, but he just has this picture of Rowan Wick. The dude has massive... dude arms like tree trunks for arms he's huge like literally like twice the size of my entire body i was like blown away i know he looks big on tv but but mbd chicago has this one picture where his his like bicep is is showing as he's pitching and you're just oh my god I know this guy's arms are huge.
2: Yeah, man. We've been calling for Wick, right? Like you and I in particular, have been wanting to see more of Wick since May, and we were puzzled, like, why is Wick not getting these opportunities yeah. with those types of numbers? So he's getting his opportunity, but amplifying that chance. And now he's your high leverage late-inning
1: guy. and I don't think any of us have a problem with that. No. And so two other notes before I, you know, we get into a little bit of this preview of this upcoming Brewers series. Uh the first, and I, I don't want to delve into this conversation because we we've had it a lot, and I, I don't know that I really have the answer for you, but you're gonna have to find a different leadoff hitter. It there, to there, Jason Hayward was Time's having up, a yeah. really nice season in the, you know, the fifth spot, sixth spot, and this leadoff thing is cratering his season. Uh, I think pitchers have made adjustments to him. I think Jordan Bastion was was pointing out that he's being pitched a lot inside. He was having a lot of success. Yeah, he was having a lot of success going the other way, which is something that he's done throughout his career, and now pitchers are just pounding him on the inside, which is why if you watched any or all of this Mets series, he had a ton of ground balls to second base and the first baseman like a ton it felt like every single at bat was a ground ball to second base so a you need better production out of the leadoff spot and b you just don't like hayward was having a a resurgent season and, and this stretch has really just cratered that so i don't know exactly what the answer is whether it's rizzo Bryant, Contreras, I don't know, but you need better production there, so maybe look for a change to be coming there or for them to try something different. And I just want to throw this out there. It, Joe, if you're listening, I'm not asking you to bring Almora back up to put him there, no, all right? I want that don't very that. clear. Please okay, don't this is this is a a beggars can be choosers situation. <laughs> I do not want that. I want that very clear. And the only other thing Brendan that I wanted to mention before you get into this Brewers series was Again, similar to the leadoff thing, I'm doing it at the end here because I don't want to talk about it, but how mad were you, Brendan? Two scoreless innings with two strikeouts from Brad goddamn Brock (laughs) against this offense. I was, uh, it is the most typical thing in the world that he was nothing but bad for the Cubs. Just a total mess this entire time comes in. Lights out. Two innings against this offense. You knew I mean, when that happened, though.
2: Like, of you, like course. that's that's how that's so how this typical. works,
1: Corey. So typical. Yeah, disgusting. I just wanted to throw that out there, Brad. We don't miss you, but that was so annoying. And and just all right, fine. A third thing, real quick. <laughs> that Caratini pimp job on yeah. the second Jacob DeGrom home run which is I gotta be honest with you not a sentence that I was expecting to come out of my mouth but a really pleasant one uh, oh man am I here for that he leaned back tossed the bat I love a it total pimp job on one of the best pitchers in the game a huge home run for the team again kind of bookending this podcast huge game on Thursday for Victor Caratini big stick Vic they call him I hear I love it I love it
2: All right, Corey, so let's preview this upcoming series against the Milwaukee Brewers, which, by the way, you can get tickets to this series through SeatGeek. I am literally, guys, right now, looking at hundreds of available tickets for tomorrow's game, or rather Friday's game, at 1.20 p.m. Central start time. And with millions of live event tickets and a price match guarantee, SeatGeek proves there is a better way. In an industry that tends to stagnate, SeatGeek decided to stand out from the crowd. Why is SeatGeek better than the rest? A quick look at the App Store shows over 50,000 five-star reviews. How is that For customer satisfaction. It's just a better process. SeatGeek pulls together millions of tickets from all over the web. Then it rates each deal on a scale of 1 to 10. Finally, SeatGeek displays them on an easy-to-use interactive seat map. SeatGeek breaks down the details. Green dots mean good deals. Red dots mean overpriced deals. And looking at this map for this Brewer Series, there are tons of green dots all over the Wrigley Field seat map. But uh, I mean, I use SeatGeek for. Whenever I buy my tickets, I use SeatGeek to buy my tickets to that Washington National Series last weekend. It's always the easiest process. I found a shop for tickets. I buy my tickets online through the app within five minutes. I send those tickets to my friends, my family. Really easy process to use. Best of all, SeatGeek will even give you $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you need to do is use our promo code. Download the SeatGeek app and use our promo code Cubs Related for $10 off your first purchase as promo code Cubs related for $10 off your first purchase. Okay. So on Friday, again, that game starts at 1 20 PM central. So the Cubs will unfortunately have to fly back late on Thursday night for that game. On the mound for the Cubs will be Jose Quintana, who is 11 and eight with a 4.05 ERA for the Brewers will be Chase Anderson with a six and three record and a 4.34 ERA on Saturday. Zach Davies back from the injured list from the Brewers, who is 8-7 with uh, a 3.9 ERA. Cole Hamels will be facing Davies, who is is 7-4 with a 3.73 ERA. On Sunday, to finish off this three-game set, another start time of 1.20 p.m. Central. Gio Gonzalez on the mound for Milwaukee, who is 2-2 with a 4.34 ERA. He got absolutely demolished against the Cardinals. In his last series, not too thrilled about that. He'll be facing you, Darvish, the Chicago Cubs ace at the moment. Darvish for the year five and six with a 4.25 year rate, looking to capitalize off another successful start against the Mets, in which he won eight innings. Again, over 100 pitches. So good to see from you. Again, right now, Milwaukee is five and a half games back from the Cardinals in first place. They are four games back of the Cubs in second place, who are right now one and a half games back of the Cardinals. Again, Corey, same motto as last few weeks. This will be a playoff atmosphere. You got to go out there. You got to win these games any way possible. We don't know if Rizzo will be back with that balking back injury. We don't know really how the Cubs staff will perform with the bullpen going consecutive days in high leverage situations. Uh, We just need to see them perform. We need Schwarber to get back out there. Maybe we'll see Ian Happ at second base more often in this series. At the end of the day, whether it's Victor Caratini or Ian Happ or Kyle Schwarber or Javi Baez coming back, we need to figure out a way to keep the ball moving here. Let's sweep Milwaukee. Let's send them back in this division. Let's make this a two-team race. Let's get back in first place. And I think this might be an opportunity against a struggling Milwaukee team
1: on the road at Wrigley Field for the Cubs to do this. Well said, man. I, I don't know that I really have much to add. Again, like this is the situation that they're in. It's it's going to be very difficult for any other scenario to present itself unless they just absolutely steamroll through the Cardinals when they play them because it's just tight. So pretty much the rest of the year here, we're, you know, uh, just a few weeks of the season left. Division is close. Wild card is close. So that's pretty much the the mantra here on out. You just got to win. It doesn't matter how it happens. It doesn't matter who's keying the victories. All that matters is that the W is flying at the end of the day. That is all that is important at this point. Win at all costs. And with, you know, just a little over a month left, win the division at all costs. Do anything you can to avoid that wild card game, win the division, get in there, play the Braves. And again, you know, it's series like this with the Mets that remind you what this team is capable of. Ben One last note be... here, Corey. Yeah, One sure. One last here. So rosters do expand on
2: Sunday. So you will not hear from us until Sunday night, which means Ben Zobris should be back uh, for the Cubs this series maybe it's Friday, maybe it's Saturday, but it has to be before September 1st, which would mean Saturday is the latest the Cubs can wait. And at the same time, you're expecting Amora to be back up. Maybe the Cubs will bring up Brad Wick, that huge lefty that we were just talking about. And then maybe one or two other position players or even bullpen pieces as well. So rosters are expanding that will influence the roster and might influence the lineup and going forward even Joe Madden said like he will be trying new guys at leadoff once rosters expand so what that means I have no idea I'm thinking of Albert Amora I'm being scared about that thought but you know things will look different
1: by the next time you and I do this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, again, Wilson Contreras starting his rehab stint this weekend, so hopefully he is back soon. And it, let's keep this thing rolling. This is how we. this team should look all the time. So, uh, again, a big series here with Milwaukee back at home, looking to kind of obviously get that stench out of your, your nose or mouth, whatever, from that Washington series at Wrigley Field and just keep the train moving here. So I think that is all that we have for you here. As always, thank you for listening to the Cubs-related podcast. I have been Corey. That has been Brendan, we thank you guys for your participation and your listenership, and we will talk to you on Sunday after the Cubs finish up with the Brewers. As always, thank you for listening, and go Cubs! Keep
2: all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock streaming zen now that's simple easy awesome go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today restrictions apply netflix hulu and peacock memberships required
0: keep your whole home running like clockwork from the office to the game room with Xfinity internet you'll get the best
2: in-home wi-fi experience with reliable speed and coverage now that's simple easy awesome go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more restrictions apply
0: The all-new Toyota Highlander is designed to go Highlander. What's go Highlander, you ask? It means amplifying your comfort with available premium leather interior and ventilated seats. And amplifying your groove with an available booming 11-speaker JBL audio system. Or even amplifying your crew with roomy seating for up to eight. Don't just go. Go Highlander in the all-new Toyota Highlander. Toyota. Let's go places. JBL is a registered trademark of Harman International Industries, Incorporated. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings. A four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.
2: Ah, mmm.
0: The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy.